Hello, I'm Father John Downey, and you've reached the Miracles Among Us podcast. Um, I'm an Orthodox priest, and I was raised Protestant, and I converted to the Orthodox faith. And in the particular Protestant sect that I was raised in, the Reformed Presbyterian Church, uh, which, you know, they did a lot of good things, but they also taught officially that there were no more miracles being done on the face of the earth. Now, fortunately, my parents didn't believe that, and a lot of the Reformed Presbyterians don't believe that, but that's the official teaching of that particular sect. And the idea behind this particular platform is for you, listeners, to have a place where you can tell your story about how God has affected your life in a miraculous way. Sometimes that might be a small uh, what other people would think, people who aren't faithful, would be a coincidence. Other times it's a dramatic, obviously uh, direct intervention by God himself in our lives. And this is a platform for us to, to proclaim the glory of God and to proclaim the reality of God. Because so many people in our day and age don't believe in God because they think God is an abstract idea or some God far away from us not a God that is personal, not a God that is active, not, that a, not a God that is right beside us. So this is a platform uh, primarily for Orthodox people, but for anyone, for Catholics or Protestants or, for, or anyone who has had a miracle uh, in their life to contact me. Uh, you can contact me at miraclesamonguss at yahoo.com and you can tell your story. This is Father John Downey, and we're coming back uh, to the Miracles Among Us podcast after a brief intermission. Very, very busy. It was hard to get everything done that needed to get done and keep up with the podcast. So sorry about that, Uh, but we're back, and hopefully we'll be able to come, uh, generally speaking, with something new every week. Uh, I don't like to pontificate too much, but I do just want to say before we get started, uh, there's a lot of talk these days about how how dangerous misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation are. And from an orthodox perspective, from the perspective of the truth, that that's true. I mean, that's that is a good point. But what's far, far more dangerous is censorship. Censorship is a thousand, ten thousand, a million times more dangerous than misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's that's the way things are. That's the truth. Uh, I can't give you a quote from the whole of the Holy Fathers about that one, at least not at this point. But I, I just wanted to throw that out there because so many things are happening in the world. It's good for us to kind of keep our uh, our perspective on things. So. Um, there's going to be uh, basically uh, two miracles for us today. There is a miracle in Crete, and there is a miracle that happened in Greece. So let me just go ahead 
Uh, this this miracle comes to us from Crete. Uh, one of our parishioners, Joy Rapsamnikis, uh, met the person this is this miracle has to do with, and she was able to ask Penny to uh, the the niece of this of this of the man that this happened to to write down the miracle. She's actually making a book eventually. She's writing a book about this man, but she gave us this miracle ahead of time. And Joy was able to translate it from, from the Greek. So my Greek is not good enough to translate, so I can't do that. So here we go. <clears throat> Mrs. Hachina, who knew how to sew and would sew men's shirts. This, so this has happened, this happened to her. Mrs. Hachina. On one Sunday day, she had taken her sewing machine up to the flat roof of her house to sew there. That's in Crete. And I am interjecting here a little bit, you know, like in the Middle East, a lot of times they have flat roofs, right? So apparently they did that in Crete as well. This was a, in last century, I'm not sure exactly the time frame, but earlier, you know, not real early, but probably like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere around there. Her little boy of 18 to 20 months old was around and playing nearby in the sunshine. But the roof of the house had no railings at all around the perimeter. Only in one corner it had a chimney. And the child escaped his mother's notice and wandered around the chimney until he tripped and holding on a pole that came off the chimney fell from a height of about three and a half, three and a half meters and was found below on building materials. He hit a stone fatally, and blood flowed from everywhere, his mouth, nose, ears. They brought the boy up to the house and placed his lifeless body on a small couch. The whole village gathered. They brought the village doctor, who actually certified the child's death. They notified his father, who was at work in Rethino. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but and told him to come and bring home a small coffin for his son. His mother, pale as if dead, had lost her voice. She could neither cry nor shout. She couldn't believe that she lost the little boy right in front of her eyes. Mrs. Hatina had a double sadness. On the one hand, she lost her child, and on the other hand, she was thinking of her husband. She saw him as a strict guardian since he was older. He could perhaps say to her, were you out of your mind and the child escaped your attention and this tragedy happened? The little boy was there on the sofa where he had been placed lifeless and everyone was waiting for his father to bring the coffin to be placed in. The funeral was set for the following day at four o'clock in the afternoon, and the village bell was tolling funerally, <laughs> as in as in for a funeral, a funeral uh, bell. At that moment, the child's mother, in her agony, suddenly remembered the Holy Cross. She remembered her aunt telling her, Stella, my child, take care of this precious cross so that it will take care of you 
and respect it. And in your difficult moments, call upon the Holy Cross. So this is a family heirloom. I'm interjecting here a little bit because I know about the story. This is a family heirloom, a, a, a small piece of the actual Holy Cross that they had passed down from generation to generation in their family. Excuse me, I have a cold here too. And we also have a visitor in our office. One of the cats brought in a small uh, chipmunk, I think, or a mouse, and it might squeak from time to time. So, so she ran speechless up to where she had hung the Holy Cross. The people who saw her suddenly jumped up speechless too and got up and thought she had gone mad, that she had lost her mind. But she ran and brought the Holy Cross from the iconostasis, took it to where her child was, put it on his little chest and clasped it tightly in her arms. And in a little while, she heard her little boy's heart starting to beat again. And she said a prayer and a promise, O venerable cross, let him live to baptize. He wasn't, he hadn't been baptized yet. He was that little. To baptize him and give him the name Stavros. And I promise to make him a priest. At that point, the child had not been baptized. He was only churched with the name Constantinos for his namesake of his father's brother who was killed in a war. So at the time that they had set his funeral the next day, the little baby Stavros was playing healthy, full of vitality and joy. So let's remember that the doctor had made out the death certificate for uh, little Stavros. And so now Joy is uh, writing in her own own voice here. This is our, our personal experience. George, Joy's husband, George Rapsomnikis, and I, along with our son Michael, met Father Stavros. So this little boy became a sta- became her mother. His mother kept good at the promise, and he had become a priest named Stavros. We had met Father Stavros in his late years, in the year 2014, outside his house, together with his Presvitra, and his niece, Penny, who is now writing his life in a book, and her husband, who is an iconographer, when we visited the island of Crete for the first time, and he showed us his precious piece of the Holy Cross and blessed us with it. So the Stavros' wife's name was Maria, and their last names were Kalitsandonakis. Karezandonakis, I think is that what it is. I'm just scrolling down here to make sure I'm not missing uh, any of the of the miracle. Yes, so I had originally tried, I, I had wanted to get this miracle out around the celebration of the precious and the, the exaltation of the precious and life-giving cross. I was not able to do that, um, but now we, we have it here. So that's all we have for now um, from that, from the miracle in Crete. And you'll be listening to another uh, miracle that happened to another one of our parishioners' father in Greece. So may God bless you. Um, uh, hello, everybody. Hi, uh, this is Father John. And um, today we have uh, Polly Regan as our, as our guest. Did you want me to say your name? Because we can cut that out if you don't want yeah, you just say my name. Okay, sorry. Um, and Polly Regan is going to tell us a couple of different things that happened in her life. 
which uh, uh, or her family's life, her life and her family's life. And um, both of them are, are miracles. You know, uh, we're not going to get into theology of miracles right now or, or uh, anytime soon, but still they're, they're inspiring events. So um, probably could you just tell us, probably most everybody who's listening knows you, but why don't you just say for the off chance people who, who don't know you, know a little bit about you, you know, you know how long you've been Orthodox, uh, where you're from, you know, how long you've been married, things like that. Okay. Hi, my name is Polyrican, and I'm Greek, and I'm Greek Orthodox. I got baptized in Greece, and I grew, I grew up in a small town, and then older, I moved to uh, to Athens, and I got married, and I moved to America, and I have three kids, and I'm married with my husband for 37 years, and... That's who I who I am, and I live in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, did you were you, so, did you grow up close to the church, or did you have a period of time where you weren't so close to the church? Or? Well, my um, my parents they uh, they are Christians, and always we went to church, and I started at a young age with confession, and I was uh, blessed to have a teacher third grade. She was theologian, and she was my um, um, she was teaching to the whole school plus me um, Sunday school and teaching the Bible and everything. That time in my life, I was very close to God, and I feel always the blessing of the uh, God, and I love Jesus. And then I moved to Athens, and I we live across the street for Saint Nicholas. And but my sister, she was my guardian that time. She wasn't going to church. Only I started going to church 12 years old, and I stayed to Greece uh, all the way with my sister, age 18. So I lost my I lost that thing I had with the connection with God, and and then I got married and I came to America. I went to church on Sundays. Just to see the other Greeks, not really to go in for God. I, I was young. I didn't understand uh, the what's going on. I was kind of lost. And growing up, starting feeling, I remember I wasn't happy. And I remember uh, I would go to church and I was thinking I couldn't wait for the church to finish. And then I remember how I was, I was with my teacher. She was a woman. So I said, I want that back. And I started praying. And, and then I met Joyce Rapsomanikas. And she invited us to her house. And Joyce, she talked to me why I'm going. She asked me. Um, I told her I'd go to church. But uh, now all the time. I used to go to church only if I want to see Greeks. And all the time. And she's trying to explain to me how important it is. And then a, a nun came, Evangelia, they see this, it came for um, Greece and she had a, for, had a, um, she did a sermon and, and then she explained a lot of things and I say, oh my God, that's what I feel. And I feel this time I was with Evangelia, I feel that all that I was feeling with my teacher. So at the end of the speak, the, the um, sermon, I want to talk to her and I say, 
I told her my story and she gave me a lot of books to read and started reading. And slowly I started confession again and started going to church. And that's who I am right now. Still have Father John for my spiritual father and I'm trying to stay closest and confess this, um, the, uh, more often. Mm-hmm. And I'm very blessed to um i'm thankful i find god again and i feel um much better being close and remember those years i wasn't close to god mm-hmm. awesome okay so why don't you give us the, uh, some details about the first thing that happened with your parents with your with your uh, father uh, especially and then- well i was in america at that time i was married and i was living to america my father had me uh, the time he was 56 years old and he died 96 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And my mom, she was 43. They had a 12 years different. So my father, he was 85 years old. I wasn't there. I was in America, but he told me the story. And my mother told me the story after I went visit them that summer. Sorry, because I just want to make it clear for people. So he was 85 years old when this happened. Yes, my father, he was 85 years old. So my father, he built the house 1944. And the house he built, it it has rocks. Built the rocks, not cement and bricks. They do, usually they do. So a house, it's very stable, but the walls, they're 24 inches thick. Mm -hmm. So the windows, it's placed between the two, between the walls. So 24 12 inches inside the house and the other 12 inches outside the house. So it's a very strong home. It's still there. It's mine, my sisters, and my nephew. So my father, he's getting older, and the bathroom of that house, because he was old, they built at their time the bathrooms outside the house. Right as soon as you get out of the kitchen floor or door, it was the bathroom. So my father it was lazy. He needed to go to the bathroom at night, and he did not go outside. He get up and stand on the window, and he pee outside the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let, me, let me just interject here a little bit because uh, um, people people who are from Greece and people who are from Romania can probably understand this. People who are born and raised in America and never stayed a long time in other countries might find that hard to believe, but it's definitely not hard to believe if you've been if you've been in Europe. Eastern Europe. Uh, so your so your father was he because he didn't want to have to go outside. He was using the and it was window. A, yes, and a house is the end of the it's the end of the town. It's the last house. Nobody's next to us. On his nobody can see him. Right. And but he was thirty five years old, and uh, so he'll do that. And my mom every day stop doing that. You're gonna get dizzy one day. You're gonna fall off the window. No, I'm not. My father says, no, 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 I'm not. Mm -hmm. So guess what? One night he get up and he got dizzy and fall out of the window. And the window was tall. It was the second floor of a house and there was nine to ten feet tall to the ground. So it was very high. Yeah. 45 years old, man. So he was going down uh, with the head down. 85, 85 years old, right? 85 years old, yes. He fell off the window. And he was going down with his head. So he feel something 
push him up and like a lifting him and end up on his feet without a we have a lot of impact very softly end up on his feet <laughs> so now he has to go around the house go up the stairs and knock the window the door for my mother she was sleeping inside and the key was inside the house the door is locked so my mom she wake up and she, she thought of he locked himself out of the door out of the house and he says no i fell off the window he says my mom locked the window is open so he says to him, are you okay? And my father says, yeah, I'm okay. He says, no, no, no. Uh, he says, what happened? He says, I was going down my head, explain exactly what happened. My mother says, oh, no, you fall down with your head and you have concussion. <laughs> so he looked, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he looked on his head. My father, he tells her, I didn't fall on my head. I, I just land on my feet very soft. My mother says, oh, do you broke your legs? Do you have bruise? He looks his legs, nothing. And my father says to her, I didn't fall. I'm telling you, I land very softly. And my mother, she says, let's go to the hospital because I, just in the case you have internal bleeding. He says, my father, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sleep. I don't have nothing. Mm-hmm. So he convinced my mom to go to sleep. And um, my father... Every day before he went to bed, he'll lay in his bed and the, the window, it's a very big window. It's uh, tall. He was standing on the window. So across the um, a cliff, it, we are down, uh, it's a top of a mountain. And if you have to go to any other town, you have to go drive down or, or you can walk. Some areas had steps. You can go up down to the other towns. So, and across the other town, it was a small mountain. And on top of the mountain, they had the cemetery. And that cemetery had a for church, St. Demetrius. Mm-hmm. So my father, every night before he went to bed, he prayed to St. Demetrius because that's who he say. He see the monastery, the, the more chapter. It wasn't a a church. It was a small church, very small, just only they had a service if somebody died there. Yeah, yeah. And my father, so that's what he did that, that night. He, he prayed to St. Demetrius and went to bed. So, and then he fell off the, off the window and then convinced my mom to go to sleep again. And then he fell asleep too. He saw St. Demetrius on his dream. Uh-huh. So he wake up right away and he realized the energy, if, if he feel energy, push him up. So I, to my father, it was Telemetro came to his dream to show him the one save you. It was me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my father, he uh, promised Saint Demetrio, he thanked Saint Demetrio, and he promised him every uh, November 26th, that's the day they have celebration to that chapter, chapel. Uh, he went there every October, he walked 45 minutes because he couldn't drive, he couldn't go in the car because he was getting nausea. We, if we ever had to take him to the doctors, we had to put him to sleep, give him something to sleep so he doesn't have the nausea. That's the doctor told us. Wow. So he promised St. Dimitrio to walk every October 26th 
and God on his name day. And he did the much he could. He died 96 years old, mm -hmm. 14 years ago. Yeah. So this is, for me, this is really a so fascinating. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but to me it's fascinating because the door is locked. He's in bed with his wife, with his mother. Yep. And all of a sudden he's outside. Yep. So there's no, there's not really yep. any explanation other than, other than he fell out of the window. And uh, what it happened, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, and he feel he says he feel he was going down the head down because he got dizzy and he went forward and he was going down head down and he felt something push him straight up and make him land on his two feet but very soft. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't realize it was a miracle that moment. Yeah. After he went to bed and he saw same Dimitrio on his dream and he wake up and he realized St. Dimitrios, that's the energy where I felt it was the energy of St. Dimitrios pushed me straight. Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting too, because a lot of people who experience miracles, they don't realize it's a miracle at the time. It just seems it just seems natural. It just seems like, of course, I mean, they don't really realize what a great event it was till a little bit later. Yeah. 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 So that's what happened with my father. And he told us and... Um, and I remember that, always I remember that for my father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I have a chance, I tell people, uh, miracles still happen every day. Yeah. Okay, now you also had, um, so I, I, that, to me, that's interest, it's an interesting story because it's not something you, it's a kind of story you don't hear every day and, and it's a, a very close family member and it's, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful story of how natural God is and how he takes care of us in every circumstance. But you also have another story that happened a little bit more recently um, with, uh, was it with your daughter or with your, um, uh, one of your sons? My son-in-law. Your son-in-law. Yes. Well, uh, 4th of July, we rent a house, Jersey Soul, with my daughter and her husband and the two kids uh, for a week. So we, Hisanti got engaged 2017. And a Greek tradition is to buy the groom uh, a, a jewelry. And me and my husband would decide to buy him a cross. Mm -hmm. for, we are for Greece. And, um, and that was his gift. And Cosmas uh, liked the cross. He chose the cross. We give him the choice. And he always wear the cross. So this summer, he went to the beach on the inside the ocean with his daughter and he he was playing the water with his daughter he was above his knees almost to his waist and then and then he he looked down and he see only the chain hanging broken on his neck so mm -hmm. he looked down for the cross and he can you can even see because and anybody knows Jersey so it has a lot of weights the, the, the water is yeah. all the time big waves actually right now it's a, sea, a season for um, surfing very big waves okay yeah mm -hmm. yeah so cosmas he, that's his name his name day was a couple of days ago and he realized he lost his cross he looked down he couldn't, he couldn't see anything he couldn't uh, see nothing there and he walk around. We see him walking, me and my husband and my daughter, 
we watched him walking around, but we couldn't understand why. So he goes to the lifeguards and says, I lost my cross. If somebody find it, it's mine. And the guy, the the lifeguard says, oh, my gosh, we, you know how many times we hear that? We never find anything. So it says, okay, if you do find it, I'm over there. And he says, okay, I will keep an eye. If somebody comes and give it to us, we'll give, I'll give it to you. So he comes out and he says, I lost my cross. He explained he saw his chain hanging on his neck, but without the cross, and it was broke. And I said to him, and I, I said to him, you, um, I said to my daughter, Pisanti, I, I can't see. I'm 55 years old. I cannot see on the bottom of the ocean very well. And I said, Santi, you should go and look. And my daughter says to me, Mom, it's you see how deep it was? You see the waves? You know, every time the waves come, it changes the sand. I said, Santi, but you never know. You should go. And then I stayed on the beach with my husband, and they took they took the both of them. They went around that area. He was sitting in a plane with your gear. And then I see my daughter leaning down and grabbing something and cleaning it. And then he, she went to the lifeguards. And, and then she's coming out and says, Mom, I find it. <laughs> we couldn't believe it. Because it was for me because I'm shorter. It will be over uh, or, or close to my neck. It was deep. It was deep there. Yeah. So, and I say to Husanti, to my daughter, I say to Husanti, the time you go into the ocean, I pray the same Fanurio. I say to find it. And he said to me, Mom, I was praying too. And she was crying. And at this day, we still don't believe it. Every time I mention it, my daughter's crying. Mm-hmm. Because it was a miracle for her. Because she says to me, Mom, that's a miracle. Because it was it was the ocean and the waves always change the sand how's possible to find it and you you went i went and find it that spot so that's yeah. the thing with the same fanurio but for me anytime i pray to same fanurio i don't make i'm not gonna say i make the pita i don't i pray i know the story same fanurios ask people to uh, light a candle on his mother's memory, because he, I guess, still wasn't a, um, very Christian. And the time she died, St. Panurios, he wasn't for sure his mother went to heaven. And he wanted her sin to be forgiven. So every time I go, if I find something, and even to, if even I don't pray to find something, I always like extra kedo on St. Fanurio's mother's name, got her, his soul to be um, saved. So uh, St. Fanurio, for me, St. Fanurio's find the cross, and my daughter believes the same thing too. Yes, I mean, you know, uh, I've been to the beach, and uh, once you get in five, six feet, and the waves are coming in, they're crashing in, finding anything, especially something metal that's small, uh, very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and just so even anytime, any somehow wind, wind that's awful. It's huge wave, but the summertime still has a lot of waves. 
Yep. Oh, it's easy yep. to throw down a little child. Like I, he did throw once Yuria down. So the waves, it's big and and juicy. And going and find a cross to me is, is a miracle. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, I know, I know, I know. I think so it's more like I, Father John would talk about it. And he said it was a God and really reveal to my daughter. And make her believe more. Yeah, you know, the thing is, that's what we've had some amazing things on here. And of course, there's lots of there's books full of, of amazing Orthodox miracles. And, uh, and uh, the thing is, when, it ha when something happens to you and you know there's no real logical explanation, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, it can touch you. You know, it, it moves you because you realize there's something else beyond this world. It can be something small, but you know it's real. I, I'll just throw this in there, and then we can we'll, we'll wrap it up. You know, when I before I was even Orthodox, I had a professor, Doctor Hannah. He was a he was from Lebanon, and he had actually been. I didn't know this until years later, but he was actually Orthodox, but he became Protestant so he could teach at, at a Protestant college. And um, I mean, that might not be the only reason, but that's what ended up happening. And his wife was still Orthodox, and he was a. Uh, he taught poetry and he wrote a couple of books. So he's English and he was a writer and he was an English professor. And um, in Romania, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but we, in, when we lose things, we pray to St. Mina, not St. Fenurios. I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying to St. Mina. And there's nothing wrong to pray to St. Fenurios. That's just how, I don't know how it happened, but that's how it is. And because his wife stayed Orthodox, they would visit a Romanian monastery nearby, the monastery that Princess Ileana founded. And, one day, he lost the keys to his car, and he told he told us the story. And I wasn't even I wasn't even interested in orthodoxy. I was just there for the poetry class, right? So I had no connection to anything. And he told us the story, even though he was Protestant. He said he lost the keys to his car, and it was a really big deal because it was the last set of keys they had. You know, so you know it's a pretty big deal when you when you only have one key that can turn on a car, and those keys are lost. It's it's very expensive. It's a big pain in the neck. It, you have to get the car towed. It means it's a very big hassle, especially way back then. This would have been like 1990 or something like that. And his, they went to the mon they went to the monastery with the other car, and the nuns told him, "Oh, we'll say to, to pray to Saint Mina," and so and we'll pray for the Saint Mina too. And they looked everywhere, and when they got home, he put his hand in a pocket of one of his jackets where he had looked several times and his, where his wife had looked several times and the keys were there in the pocket. See, so, it's a miracle. So, so, so it's a, to us, it could be, oh, well, he probably just missed it or whatever. But for him, yeah. even though he was Protestant, for him, it was a miracle because he knew that he had looked in there several times, you know, and he knew it was yeah. impossible. So it's the same kind of thing with, with the cross. I mean, um, we all have had little experiences like that, that, to, from the outside might seem uh, trivial or minor, but that we, we know that God has worked through them. And uh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, I'm going to say goodbye. You're going to be in Greece. So take care of yourselves. Well, we'll miss you. Thank you. And have a good, have a good time. Come back with some more miracles. What's that? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs>
Yes, miracles happen every day. Even yeah, we get up every morning and yeah, go, yeah. and that's a miracle. Absolutely, every moment, every moment, every person, every every uh, cell, every atom. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Bali, to me. God bless you, and have a have thank a wonderful you, journey. Father. Have a... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Have a great summer too. All right, thank Bye. you. God bless. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I see that people have continued to, to keep listening. We do need your encouragement because there's a lot, a lot to do in every day. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, please send us some encouragement uh, so that we can we can continue on the struggle to bring you uh, these many, many miracles that have happened and that we've heard about. And also uh, reach out and contact us and talk about what happened to you and how God touched you in your life. God bless.